On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Cybertruck continues to take the world by storm and a common theme has emerged. Plus, new wheels arrive for the Model 3 performance, a huge Model Y rumor emerges, another new Tesla patent gets filed, and more. Happy holidays, friends. Welcome to episode 226 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for December 1st, 2019. To my left, a snoozing Daisy the Boxer puppy. And the world has Cybertruck fever. Everyone is talking about the Cybertruck, even outside of Tesla circles. I have not seen this since maybe the Model 3, but this this might even be more of buzz than Model 3. I mean, it's just been unbelievable. I'll give you a couple of quick real-world examples. A friend of mine, David, who uh, Daisy's one of Daisy's best friends, uh, his, his do- it's David's dog, and they play all the time. I was uh, taking a walk with him, met him at the uh, near the dog park yesterday, and he so he is not a Tesla guy, but he has he's a he's a builder, he's a contractor, he's got a really nice burnt orange. Toyota, uh, whatever the full size one is, I think it's the Tacoma and the the TRD, the Toyota Racing Development. Like, it's a nice truck. He said, "Yeah, it was a fifty thousand dollar truck," and he said he thought about it, thought about it, and he put down an order for a tri motor Cybertruck. He said, "Yeah, you know, it's, it's my truck's three years old. It's got, I think he said he's got like eighty thousand miles on it or something already. So, you know, he uses it a lot, and he he's like." He was just telling me, I can't stop thinking about it. I want it tomorrow. And I had to tell him, look, look, David, I've, I've lived this. Here's how it's going to go. You need to, even though you can't stop thinking about it, you have to try not to think about it because it's going to be a long wait. The hardest part, the worst part about your Cybertruck is going to be the wait to get it. So there was that. Uh, just this morning, I was walking Daisy and uh, walked by some of our neighborhood firefighters, the fire station, and it, Daisy just walked up to them as she does to a lot of people, and they're saying hi. And I was wearing a Tesla jacket, and they said, "Oh, you, do you get that jacket when you when you get one of the cars?" I said, "Oh, no, I, I got this, but uh, I love it. It's the best. It's the best thing I've ever spent money on." And then they started in with me about the Cybertruck. They said, oh, did, did, what about this? Do you see the Cybertruck? This, that. And they were super interested. And, you know, it was just, it's, this thing is everywhere. It's on every network. It's on every corner of the internet. It's just been unbelievable. In fact, I have even seen, to my point earlier about maybe only seeing this level of, of general societal interest with the Model 3, I've seen a uh, cyber bump, if you will, in my traffic, in my in my podcast traffic. I mean, you can look at at my metrics, and it's basically the same curve every week. You know, it, I get the most amount of downloads on Sunday when the new episode comes out, and then Monday is usually a lot too, and then it, it trails off as the week goes on until the next Sunday comes around, and a new episode comes out, and it starts all over again. Well, starting. On Thursday, November 21st, the night of the day the Cybertruck reveal happened, there was a spike in my traffic, and then it maintained the next day, the Friday, then the Saturday, and last week's episode is doing really well. I mean, it's much better than, than the typical episode, certainly not like 
Elon Musk interview well. Nothing will ever do that quite that well. But I mean, I, I am seeing it. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. It's been unbelievable. And, you know, for me, the more I think about the truck, I, I've, I've been getting this question a lot since last week's episode published about, about uh, hey, Ryan, how do you feel about it now? And I have to say, uh, I have come around on it myself. I, I still, I, I think it, and it's because it's not even so much that I love the design. I'm still sort of a little weirded out by it, but I'm sort of, I'm over the initial shock and I just can't believe that that thing is actually going to get made and it's going to be a real truck on the road. And, and I'm seeing this same sentiment around the community. It's, it's just a, it seems to be a very common theme, certainly from my audience, because last week I solicited your questions and your comments and, and your reactions. And I think I got more Ride the Lightning phone calls, hotline calls, last week than any other week of this of this podcast ever. And not everybody loved it. Certainly, there are still plenty of people that, that do not like it at all, that they are very turned off by the design. But the very common theme is, is the same swing of emotions. It starts, and again, I'm, I'm right here with you guys. It starts with, oh my goodness, what have they done? And then moves to, wow, the functionality and specs are really impressive, to, wow, the price is impressive, to, I get it now, exoskeleton, durable stainless, no frame, okay, I get it. And then, and then the final stage is, I love it now. And for a lot of people, it's, I've ordered one now. So it's just been insane to see. In fact, if you're wondering about the title of this week's episode, this is what I'm talking about. I, I am calling, it's the, the Cybertruck Cycle. This seems to be a real phenomenon, uh, at least within the Tesla community, if not reaching out further beyond that. But I really want to ask Elon if he expected the public reaction to go this way. And I did try. I tried. I, I did uh, send a tweet his way while he was busy on Twitter this week. Didn't get a reply this week, but that's, that's uh, how it goes. But yeah, I would really love to know from Elon if, if they expected this. Did, like, did they see it internally from people that they showed the prototype to ahead of the reveal? I mean, it did, or did, did uh, people just kind of love it or hate it and, and stay firm on it in, in his initial findings with, you know, coworkers, friends, relatives, whatever, how, whoever he showed it to. But yeah, it's, this is the cyber truck cycle. It's a real thing. You go from repulsed by it to completely in love with it and possibly for a lot of folks putting in an order for it within the span. I mean, it's different for everybody. That's what I'm seeing. Some people did the cyber truck cycle in an hour. Some people did it in 24 hours, but most everybody seems to be within about within about two to three days, about 48 to 72 hours, you go through the Cybertruck cycle. And that's that's where I'm at with it. I like I totally get it now. And and I've admit, again, I said it last week, I'm a Tesla fanboy, so that may very well be coloring my opinion of it. But the thing I think that for me then this is again very specific to me given my automotive history it's the stainless steel is what's doing it for me if this car if this truck were aluminum or steel i'm not sure i i'm pretty sure actually that i wouldn't feel quite as compelled by it now 
But because it's stainless steel, I just never thought in my life I'd see another stainless steel car ever again. And I'm, I'm, I love it. I'm so, I miss, I miss having a stainless steel car. You guys, like I said last week, it's so great having a car that's beautiful with no paint to worry about, to manage. And in the case of the Cybertruck, you also won't have to worry about door dings because we watched a sledgehammer bounce off of the body of the truck multiple times during the reveal. So, um, yeah, but even if I personally wanted one, as I now kind of do, I have no use for a truck, but... Uh, it's it's completely incompatible with my San Francisco life. It, it's too big for the streets. It's literally too big for my garage. So <laughs> that's what's that's what's keeping me from wanting this thing. But if I'll tell you, if Elon and the Tesla team ever applied this to a cyber car and made a smaller, you know, I guess it would maybe be a, a six seat car as well. If you applied the same sort of front middle seat folding down into an armrest. If there was a cyber car, I already told my wife, like the Model 3 would be gone. I, I would order a cyber car in two seconds so that I could have a stainless steel car again that would fit, physically fit in my life. Oh my goodness, that would be great. I tried tweeting that at Elon too, but no luck on the on the Elon responses this week. However, he did tell someone else, quote, long term, it probably makes sense to build a smaller Cybertruck too. So if a, if a full-size pickup is not uh, compatible or appealing to you, then a smaller Cybertruck looks like it might be in the cards for, for further on down the road. Uh, also, here's another thought I had this week, and this is super fun. This, this makes me smile, at just ear-to-ear smile. Tesla superchargers. Uh, you, you've, if you've been listening for a while... You remember that back when I got my first car, first car, when I got my Tesla and first started going to superchargers, I realized something I had never realized as just a Tesla enthusiast. Something I realized as an owner using superchargers is that the superchargers basically become impromptu Tesla club meetups. And I mean that in the very best of ways. You, you, you know, I've, I've talked to so many people there who are just also there charging. You strike up a conversation. You've got something in common. You, you know, if you own a Tesla, we're at the early stage of this historically. So if you're a Tesla owner, there's a pretty good chance that you are really enthusiastic about your car and about the brand. And, and it's been so much fun having supercharger stops be impromptu club meetups effectively. Well, now, look at the Tesla lineup. The Tesla superchargers in the next few years are effectively going to become impromptu, not only car uh, Tesla club meetups, they're going to become impromptu car shows because you could have, at, at the same supercharger, you could have a Model X with its awesome Falcon wing doors and, and self presenting self-opening doors and big sky windshield. You could have a new Roadster at that uh, same supercharger parked next to that. And then parked next to that, you could have a Cybertruck all lined up, hanging out together. And you've got these just distinct, very distinct, very interesting, very beautiful cars all lined up and hanging out together. And it's great. I mean, how cool is that? Uh, One other thing on this topic is uh is this 
just, I've had a week to think about this now. Look at how Tesla has gotten bolder and bolder with their designs, and they've pushed things further and further which with each new wave of success that they had. Go back to the Model S, which was the first car that they designed from the ground up themselves, and the first car that Franz did. The S was relatively plain, and I, I don't say that derisively. I mean, it was, it was a very nice-looking luxury sedan meant to try and, you know, they, they, that's why the nose, we know for a fact, that's why the nose cone was there, was to not weird people out too much and get them to, to give the Tesla a try and give an electric car a try. So you started with the Model S, again, this nice-looking luxury sedan. Then you move to the Model X, which had, uh, di- which did not have a nose cone, because remember, if at the point the Model X launched, which was fall of 2015, the, the S still had the nose cone on the front. So the X was actually the first Tesla to delete the nose cone. So it had that. And then, as I said a minute ago, it had the big sky windshield and the self-presenting front doors and the Falcon wing doors. So they pushed the design further there. Then we get to the Model 3, and Franz and his team push even further. Although in the Model 3's case, not so much with the exterior, but instead the interior, the extremely minimalist interior, which if you recall, there was a lot of a lot of hand-wringing and worry that, oh, there's only just one screen and nothing else. There's nothing in front of the driver. There, that's not going to work. And now it's not only accepted, but loved and, and in a lot of cases imitated. It's starting to get imitated by other automakers that are, that are jumping into the electric vehicle game. And then, you know, you move after that, the Roadster. It's got a curved glass touchscreen display and it's two plus two seating in a supercar and it's this beautiful automobile. And now the Cybertruck pushing things even further on the design uh, front. So it's just amazing to see Franz and Elon and Tesla just continue to be, they are not playing, playing it safe with their success. They are continuing they are emboldened with each new success. They are pushing further and further at, with each success. And I just love seeing that. That's something we're not really seeing that with other automakers, in my humble opinion, uh, as far as you know, the success begetting uh, bigger and bolder design risks and, and uh, design challenges that they take upon themselves. So great stuff there. Now, one other note, uh, actually a couple other notes on Cybertruck. Again, this is the hot topic, although I've got plenty of other Tesla news to talk to you about in just a minute. But uh, one thing I was exceptionally wrong about on last week's show is that I thought that Tesla would not give out reservation numbers on the Cybertruck. And guess what? I was wrong even before the pod, like between the time I recorded and the time the podcast came out on Sunday morning, I was already wrong, or maybe just wrong within that day, because Elon Musk took to Twitter three times so far, as of me recording this. I'm actually recording a little early uh, this week. Uh, It's uh, 11 a.m. here on Black Friday, since I've got the holiday weekend off, and I didn't anticipate any Tesla news dropping today. Hopefully, most, if not all, of Tesla is uh, Tesla employees are enjoying, including Elon, are enjoying some time with their families. 
So uh, if anything does break between you know now and when you hear this, I do apologize, and I'll cover it next week. But Elon has taken to Twitter three times thus far, initially tweeting out 146,000 Cybertruck orders so far, with 42% choosing the dual motor variant. That's the 300-mile middle tier of the three. Uh, 41%, so basically equal amount of dual motor and tri-motor reservations initially, and 17% single motor, which that makes sense to me because I think long-term, the percentage of people that opt for the the you know the forty thousand dollar the lower cost truck will probably be higher, just as in time the the uh, number of people that choose the standard range plus model three will probably be higher in the long term, but here in the beginning, when it's enthusiasts uh, and people willing to to put down a reservation on a on a vehicle and wait two to three years for it, those kinds of folks are probably going to be more likely to buy the higher trim variant. So uh, there you go. Now, just a, a, a day later, he up on Sunday evening, he updated that to 200,000 orders. And then Tuesday night, last Tuesday night, so three days ago as I uh, record this, he updated that one more time to 250,000 reservations for the Cybertruck. Now, of course, you can't you can't go apples to apples to Model 3, which was the last Tesla vehicle that we had uh, solid reservation numbers on, because, of course, it's a $100 deposit on Cybertruck versus a $1,000 deposit on the Model 3. But nevertheless, even if, you know, half of those 250k, and that's assuming that they won't get any more reservations in the next two years, which of course they will. But if even half of those convert, you know, 125,000 actual orders for Cybertruck before it's even started production, that's that's fantastic. That's incredible. And and again, the number is going to be higher than that. And you know, again, I I was very wrong about that. Uh, I, I was looking at recent history with the why the semi-truck and the roadster. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, when I look at it now in hindsight, Elon is no doubt proud of the fact that they've gotten that many orders because he knew this thing would be controversial. He saw the headlines. He saw the initial round of, of the media and people just some, you know, either either dismissing the Cybertruck or outright mocking it in some cases. And so he's proud of it. He's proud to say, hey, well, we've got 250,000 orders for this thing in, so how about that? Uh, and, and good for him, you know, good for him for doing that. And I hope now, I hope he continues to keep us updated on, on milestone level uh, numbers for the Cybertruck reservation. One thing, however, that I was correct about last week, and I, I said that the Cybertruck would probably be the last major product unveiling for Tesla for quite a while. Elon confirming that is indeed the case on Twitter this week saying, quote, Cybertruck is our last product unveil for a while, but there will be some, parentheses, mostly unexpected technology announcements next year. So in 2020, I would imagine that there he's referring to some stuff that we'll probably hear about on 
battery day for the investors, which we expect to happen in the earlier part of 2020, maybe the first quarter or so. So in other words, in the next four or five months, I, I, would, I would expect that the Maxwell acquisition will probably factor largely uh, heavily into that, perhaps with the ultra capacitors that they were working on. So uh, there will be some, some neat stuff coming out of Tesla, but no more actual vehicles to be announced for a while. Because as I mentioned last week, Tesla's got a lot on their plate now. You know, they're manufacturing three vehicles. They've got a, a fourth one right around the corner and then a fifth and a sixth one uh, beyond that. So there is a, uh, they're actually, a, excuse me, and a seventh one. <laughs> they're actually, yeah, a s- seven total vehicles they've got to they've got to s- get going on and only three of them are in production right now. Uh, one final Cybertruck note before I do move on, uh, I wanted to just pass along this week. For those of you who do have orders in and it's never too early to start thinking about the economics of your Cybertruck, uh, which are going to be good for you, you know, if you're particularly if you're an existing truck owner and the Cybertruck is replacing a truck, you are going to see a massive fuel savings cost. But one thing I did want to bring up, tire prices. So there is a tire and wheel expert in the Tesla community, uh, at least the one I know of. I'm sure there are a number of you out there. But there is a gentleman by the name of Ian Pavelko. You may know him as Mad Hungarian, if you uh, follow along with Tesla owners online and what uh, and, and the YouTube channel that Trevor's got going on there. Well, uh, Ian is very much a tire and wheel expert. He's actually made custom wheels for, for the Model 3. And he has pretty well zeroed in on the Cybertruck's tires, and he has uh, thus dug up their price. So I figure this is good information for everyone out there that's ordering Cybertruck. The tires on the prototype are $457 each, which might be a shock, but do remember they are enormous 35-inch off-road tires uh, in, in total sum. So, you know, again, if you're already a truck person, that may not come as a surprise to you, but if Cybertruck is going to be your first truck, that is a good thing to know now up front rather than be surprised by it later. Now, before you kind of panic a little bit and think, whoa, that's that <laughs> that means two grand with mounting, balancing, and installation for a set of tires. The good news is uh, Ian does, he believes, now this is just his thought as a tire and wheel professional, that uh, that the those will not be the stock tires, that odds are that Tesla will, will put a sort of less, let's say, hardcore tire on, on the truck you know, as the OEM tire and and the uh, the 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 thirty five incher that's that's on there on the prototype will be you know a high, you know you could put it on but it it'll it'll be a you know a higher end tire so just food for thought there as we wrap up with Cybertruck conversation for this week well at least until we get to the ride the lightning hotline because uh, spoiler alert all the calls this week are about Cybertruck. So I'm really eager to hear your opinions and your and your commentary on that. So stay tuned for that later in the podcast. More big news this week, though, this time about the Model Y, which is Tesla's next vehicle due to go into production. In fact, it might be arriving even sooner than the already moved forward date that Tesla gave us 
in the last quarterly earnings call, which of course they had said they, they were moving production up to summer. So this is uh, Tesla Roddy reporting this with a big tip of the cap to Galileo Russell and his Hyperchange TV channel. You, if, if that name sounds familiar, uh, Galileo, he, Gally is a, uh, he's a retail investor and he's the guy that was on the earnings call, probably what that was, that was maybe like a year ago or so. Uh, he was the, he was the guy that benefited from the, uh, the, you know, dumb, no more dumb questions. Let's go to YouTube. That was Gally that, <laughs> that stepped in and had some good questions. Anyway, uh, he had, so he reported this tip first and then Tesla Roddy, uh, picking up this report that according to a report by Asian publication, Taiwan Economic Daily, Tesla suppliers HOTA and BizLink have been informed by the electric car maker to start the mass production of Model Y parts six months earlier than intended. So the question at that point, again, because we'd been previously told summer, uh, is, well, what does, what does six months earlier mean? Does that mean right now? Does that mean... Uh, six months from fall, meaning spring. So um, now we, we do know we've seen release candidate Model Ys running around in the wild. So again, it could mean that some kind of production starts this quarter. Well, I do think that's pretty unlikely because there's only one more month to go in this quarter. However, I think there's a very good chance that they might start Founders Edition Model Y deliveries in late Q1 or early Q2, since uh, if you're wondering, wait a second, what are you talking about, Founders Edition? We do know that unlike the Model 3, there will be Founders Edition Model Ys because that's what Tesla is giving away in the referral program raffle uh, of sorts. Uh, although, well, you need to, the raffle tickets are the referrals. So, But yeah, they're giving away, and we know those, the, those Founders Series models will be performance models. So uh, if history holds the Founders Series Ys will be the first ones produced. So I do wonder if those could come in in you know late Q1, maybe March or sometime early Q2. But uh, it, it might mean, now if we're sort of extrapolating, it might mean that legitimate volume, actual volume production could easily be happening by the summer rather than say a few dozen cars a week, which is kind of what what was the case with Model Y when when production, quote-unquote, began. So that's great news. Now, the key to all of this is certainly, yes, the parts, but Gigafactory 1 is the, is the key to all this because Tesla has to ramp up battery production in order to make volume production of the Y possible while still also making enough batteries for Model 3, and of course, S and X, although S and X, to the best of our knowledge, are still the 18650 cells being made and supplied by Panasonic. Of course, Panasonic is a partner in the Gigafactory, so it's all in the family, as it were. But the thing is, if, if things have ramped more quickly than expected up in Reno, or Sparks, technically, then it could mean that your Model Y might be in your driveway even sooner than you expected, which is just unbelievably awesome news. And on a related note, just to, to pile on more good news, because who doesn't like good news, Tesla Rati in that same story reporting that 
Quote, quite interestingly, the suppliers were reportedly also notified to expedite the production of parts for the Tesla Semi, though no specific date or time frame was shared for the long haulers components, end quote. Well, that would certainly be sweet as well because the Semi, you know, I know none of us think too much about it because it's not a consumer vehicle. It's not something that the overwhelming majority of us uh, will be buying, but the semi has a really significant chance to to tangibly disrupt an entire industry and that's the trucking industry though you know the the word on the street earlier uh you know in the recent past was that tesla is supposedly going to be their own first customer with the semi truck that you know they're going to run the trucks themselves presumably as uh running parts between you know, batteries and drivetrains between Gigafactory and the Tesla Fremont factory. And that would make sense, right? Because the you have Tesla has titans of industry as customers. Like Budweiser is one of their customers, or Anheuser-Busch. Uh, Anheuser-Busch is one of their customers. UPS is a customer. Walmart's a customer that that we know of. That's those are just publicly known ones. So, you know, if you're Tesla you want to make sure that you're delivering those those uh, customers a very polished, very reliable product that has been adequately field tested because if Walmart is running an early build semi truck fleet and they have problems with them, well, that's going to word's going to spread real quick and it's going to again defeat the entire purpose of the mission. It's going to scare you know, those big corporations off of the Tesla semi. So it makes perfect sense that Tesla would run a fleet, you know, the early build fleet themselves, and then uh, iterate and go from there before they actually start delivering to their to their uh, external customers. But here is to a fantastic 2020 for Tesla, because it's sure shaping up to be one. Moving on this week, the 19-inch Power Sport wheels that have only to this point, been available on the Chinese build, or the Chinese market, I should say, the Chinese market performance Model 3s, they have arrived here in the West. They are on the Tesla shop online now, and they are called Gemini. The Gemini wheels, that is their official name here stateside, they are being sold in the online Tesla shop as part of a winter tire and wheel package specifically for the performance Model 3. So they're an aero-style design, but it is a one-piece alloy wheel. They're not wheels with aero caps over them. It is just just a one-piece. So it's $3,500 for a set of four, and that's installed, and that's with the winter tires. So that's, that's a turnkey price. So if you are interested in those, if you're a Performance Model 3 owner, they will be shipped to a service center near you and installed there uh, if indeed you choose to place an order. And I think, boy, these I think these are going to be a really great option for Performance Model 3 owners because even though there are winter tires that you can put on the 20-inch Performance wheels, these 19s are going to get more range by virtue of the fact that they're 19s instead of 20s. In fact... I wonder if a lot of folks might opt to put these on and then just uh, slap all-season tires or summer performance tires on them because, again, these are the first 
official Tesla wheels to support the Performance Model 3's different wheel hub offset. And as I said, they are going to be, by virtue of their uh, size, more efficient than, than the 20s. So uh, it, it, to that point, you will probably get closer to the 310 miles of, of rated range with these than you would with the 20s. Next up, hopefully next up, is those 20-inch wind turbine wheels from the Red Rolling Mule prototype, Model 3, that, as I mentioned, what, two or three shows back, were recently spotted on a Model Y. So, uh, as I said then, I would bet that those wheels are coming as, as a thing anyone can buy because it is not in Tesla's history to just... History suggests they are not taking them out of mothballs, which is where they've been sitting for three years, and putting them on a release candidate Model Y for no reason. They are probably going to make those. So uh, good to see some new wheel options come around for the Model 3, and in this case, a winter tire and wheel set just in time for snowy winter conditions. Speaking of snowy winter conditions, hey, Canadian Model 3 owners, uh, I've got some good news for you guys. If you haven't heard about this yet, you have got a free winter protection kit coming your way. I want to thank my aforementioned friend, Trevor, Trevor Page from Tesla Owners Online for posting this. The email uh, to Tesla employees at service centers in Canada reads as such. Uh, for owners in Canada, excluding British Columbia where heavy salt, sand, or gravel is used to improve winter road conditions, we will be providing the all-weather protection kit at no cost. The all-weather protection kit is the recommended way to protect your paint from stone chips that can accelerate wear and tear. It includes two sizes of front mud flaps and installation hardware. This kit is easy to self-install and will be provided to new deliveries and current owners. As we work to stabilize part supply, we are prioritizing parts for new deliveries in Q4. So there is uh, some good news there. And it's just, it's great to see Tesla proactively do this because last winter, if you may recall, there had been some recorded incidents of a ton of sand buildup in the undercarriage of some people's Model 3s, seemingly due to an insufficient drainage situation. Now, if that's the case, hopefully the root cause of that has been addressed in current production vehicles. But either way, it is really good to see Tesla, at the very least, offering this all-weather protection kit for free. And, hey, it can be self-installed to boot. That is good news. A couple more stories for you this week. I, and here I thought, I thought, oh boy, what am I going to do? It's a holiday week here in the U.S. There's probably going to be nothing to talk about. No, there's plenty to talk about. Another new Tesla patent. It seems like there's one of these almost every week. This comes courtesy of Tesla Roddy. I'd actually, I'd had this story ready to go before last week, but Cybertruck ended up taking up the entire show last week, and for good reason. So Tesla Roddy reporting that Tesla has submitted a patent application for a, quote, fibrous foam architecture with claims that the manufacturing technique for seats and interior trim would create a more efficient and environmentally sustainable process. The submitted patent explains that the current materials used for cushioning in traditional vehicle seats, 
include foam made from polyurethane, a material that is not able to be recycled and may not be the most comfortable due to its lack of breathability. Manufacturing the foam is also a time-consuming and laborious process that involves the pouring and mixing of numerous chemicals like polymer or epoxy into a mold. After setting, this requires additional material to be trimmed and shaped, thereby creating unnecessary waste that Tesla's fibrous foam architecture hopes to eliminate. The background of the patent states, quote, trim to foam assembly may include hog ring, hook and loop, and or clipping methods. In such methods, alignment tolerances may need to be maintained, mating, surfaces, mating surface limitations may need to be met, trenches and stitches may need to be provided, and so on. Glue application storage and handling may also be required. Current manufacturing processes may be labor-intensive and time-consuming, end quote. Uh, this would improve the production and quality of the backrests, armrests, leg rests, and bolsters. Tesla is looking to improve upon its vehicle's interior, as it suggests, quote, there is a need for an improved foam architecture and associated manufacturing process that overcome the aforementioned drawbacks. Thank you, Tesla Roddy. Uh, this may be now example number 04,983, give or take, of Tesla using first principles uh, process to, to attack a problem and come at, come at a solution to a problem. If Tesla can successfully make a better seat in terms of comfort that's also cheap, cheaper to make and better for the environment, there is simply no downside to that. There is zero downside. In fact, a side effect upside is that Tesla would own that patent and could stand to make a ton of money if and when other auto manufacturers were to follow them down the same road because uh, they would, uh, I expect that other manufacturers would follow them down that road because uh, if, if there are cost savings to be had, that's going to draw a lot of attention from the rest of the industry. So good stuff there. And finally this week, like an on-again, off-again dating relationship, the Model S and Model 3 are now back on the Consumer Reports recommended cars list. Quote, the Tesla Model 3 struggled last year as the company made frequent design changes and ramped up production to meet demand, says Jake Fisher, senior director of automotive testing at Consumer Reports. But as he continues, as the production stabilized, we have seen improvements to the reliability, end quote. Consumer Reports members reported fewer problems with body hardware issues for both Model S and Model 3, such as trunks that don't close properly or loose body trim panels. For the Model 3, there were fewer reports of stuck latches or, manu uh, pardon me, or malfunctioning doors. For the Model S, owners reported fewer problems with paint and trim quality, issues that have plagued it in the past. Owners also reported fewer problems with power equipment, such as cruise control, cameras, and warning lights. Now, that's good to see, of course. And if you're wondering, well, what about the Model X? The X is still not being given the official Consumer Reports recommendation, with the publication noting that, quote, Model X owners reported numerous problems ranging from its bulky Falcon Wing doors to noises and leaks, and it has worse-than-average reliability. So 
You know, it's a real shame to hear that about the X because, of course, both Elon and Franz have repeatedly referred to that car as the Fabergé egg of the car world. I mean, the Model X, the X has been in production for four full years now. And I'll tell you, I mean, I know plenty of people out there are, are very, very happy Model X owners. I have one acquaintance of mine who I feel real bad for. He bought an X a year ago. And uh, we keep in touch mostly on Twitter. And he's had eight service center visits for his X. I mean, he, he's, he has reached out to me knowing my Tesla enthusiasm. And, and I honestly don't know what to say to him. You know, again, I know there are many, 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 more than... Far, the overwhelming majority of people are happy Model X owners, but I just I would have hoped that the X would have would be faring better by now overall in the in the comprehensive survey research that someone like a Consumer Reports is doing. But still, I'm uh, I'm definitely glad to see that the S and the three are back on their list because you know people do pay attention to Consumer Reports, they do valid research, they do uh, good stuff, so. You know their their recommendation does carry weight, and you know the the, the it also shows too that Consumer Reports, to their credit, doesn't doom a car forever. That that the it is a year to year reevaluation, which quite frankly is exactly how it should be. You should always be looking at the newest build cars and see how actual owners of those newer build cars are feeling about them relative to previous years. All right. Well, I've been talking for long enough, I would say, over 40 minutes, lots to cover. And despite the holiday week, I'll take it. I would always rather have more to talk about than less, for sure. And there has been so much fun stuff to talk about in the world of Tesla lately. Stick with me. Uh, After this quick little ad spot from Tesmanian, I'm going to come right back and do the aforementioned all Cybertruck edition of the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your phone calls coming up right after this. This week, Ride the Lightning is brought to you by Tesmanian and their Model 3 soft cooler and floor mats. The Tesmanian soft cooler fits perfectly into the Model 3's rear trunk well or the Model X frunk. It holds up to 52 cans of beverages without ice packs or 30 to 40 with ice, holding temperature up to 48 hours with ice or the three included ice packs. The cooler has a heavy-duty nylon shell, sturdy closed-cell insulation, and is made with eco-friendly, non-toxic, odorless, and recyclable materials. Meanwhile, their custom-made Model 3 floor mats are sturdy and durable, 300% more temperature-resistant than normal PVC. They've got a deeply molded tread pattern that channels all spills, stains, dirt, mud, and snow away, and they're non-toxic, BPA-free, and 100% odorless. Order either or both today at testmanian.com. That's testmanian.com, T-E-S-M-A-N-I-A-N.com. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline. It's your time to shine. Your questions, your comments, your discussion topics, and this is an all-Cybertruck edition. I promise it won't be next week. We'll (laughs) cover some other topics. But for this week, I've got a bunch of calls, all-Cybertruck, because there are a lot of really interesting points to be brought up here, uh, as well as just opinions and and other things. So I think this is a a lot of... It's great to hear from everybody on this. So I, I will mention, of course, to start with... If you would like to participate 
in the Ride the Lightning hotline, I would welcome and encourage that. You can reach me anytime in one of two ways. Either uh, use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and record your question. Please keep it to 90 seconds or less, a minute and a half, so that I can get to as many calls each week as possible. And uh, send that file to me via email, and the email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can send that same 90-second or less question, comment, or discussion topic to the Ride the Lightning hotline. All you do is call the toll-free number and leave a message. The number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family, telling them why they're special. And it is the holidays, after all. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. If you'd like to vi- uh, learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Let me kick it off with Pete and Dallas and his reaction to the Cybertruck, and he brings up what I think is an interesting topic here that's probably been on some of your minds as well. So go ahead, Pete. Hey, Ryan, it's Pete from Dallas. Um, Regarding the Cybertruck, of course, um, number one, I'm willing to bet that by the time you record your next podcast, you've probably changed your view and you've kind of become very used to seeing the Cybertruck. That's certainly the the cycle I went through. Um, I was lucky enough to be there for the launch and had exactly the same reaction as everybody else. Um, but um, I did reserve, and you know, a day or two later, you really do come around quite quickly to the concept. So that's one thing. But my main question was really around your experience with your DeLorean and the stainless steel. Um, I wonder how repairable it is. You know, what's your experience of having it repaired? Because when Model S first came out, um, finding a body shop that could work with the aluminium. Um, was a little difficult and you typically ended up at Audi body shops because they have the most experience. Um, nobody has experience of working with stainless steel. So um, given that Tesla aren't great at doing bodywork repairs, how is that going to work and how did that work back in the DeLorean days? Um, be interested to hear. Otherwise, thanks for the podcast. Well, Pete, you are right about me coming around on liking the Cybertruck, as you heard me discuss earlier in the show. Second, your question about stainless steel repairs is a fantastic one, and I did not address that last week. So here's what I can tell you. With the DeLorean, you had two choices. You could either buy a replacement panel, so it was a a front fender, rear quarter fender, uh, hood, etc., or T-panel on top, Uh, and then boom, you're done. Since there's nothing to be painted or color matched, it's brushed stainless steel. Um, Now, the DeLorean had thin stainless steel panels sitting over the top of a fiberglass underbody on a wishbone steel frame. I once got a dent in my right front fender, and in that case, it ended up being easier and cheaper to just replace it, in that case. But... Uh, I was still, and part of the reason it was cheaper is I was actually able to sell my dented one to somebody because option two is to repair the stainless steel. A good metal worker can rework the stainless back to literally good as new condition. It will, it will look like it was never damaged. You obviously can't bondo repair any damage because that would be completely obvious but 
metal workers out there are going to have a new source of income when the Cybertruck releases. Now, the key difference between the DeLorean and the Cybertruck as we know it so far is that, again, to the best of our understanding right now, the Cybertruck doesn't have panels. Everything's just folded. So, you know, folded like origami. It's the exoskeleton. So repairs will be possible. I'm sure of that. But I'm also reasonably sure that it's probably going to be a bit of a trickier job than it was with the DeLorean because you can't, you know, again, the DeLorean, you could just take the panel off of the car, put it on a workbench, repair it, brush it back, uh, and, you know, regrain it and get it back on the car. So um, that, I'm not quite sure how that's going to go. The good news, however, is that the cold rolled uh, 301 stainless steel on the Cybertruck, as we have seen, it's much, much thicker and tougher than the DeLorean's thin panels. Now, obviously, 1981 technology versus 2019 aerospace technology puts the same stainless steel application on these two cars uh, kind of worlds apart in, in a lot of regards. If you took a sledgehammer to a DeLorean body, it wouldn't end very well for the poor DeLorean, but Obviously, DMC did the very best it could. They wanted a car that would last for its entire owner's lifetime, but not be so heavy as to be a giant anchor. So, and and hey, you know, DMC. I know a lot of people. You know, a lot of people like to reflect poorly on DeLorean Motor Company, even if they like the car. Well, DeLorean was a failure. Blah. You know, DeLorean did a lot of stuff very well. Uh, that's that's a topic for another podcast, but you know, DeLorean did a good job. Um, but yeah, that as far as the 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 topic of stainless repair, that is my brain dump from my personal experience with having uh, with having a body panel done on the DeLorean's stainless steel. So hopefully that answers your question a bit, Pete. Thank you so much for your call. Let's go to Tina from France uh, going through the Cybertruck cycle. Go ahead, Tyna. Hi, Ryan. It's Ty Dundas calling in from France with my thoughts on the Cybertruck. Um, well, just like so many others, when it rolled first on stage, I was absolutely shocked. My heart sank and I thought, oh no, I really don't like this. But when Elon announced the specs, um, that was amazing and I was blown away. Throughout the day, I then looked at a lot of pictures and videos and grew on me very, very quickly. And I placed my order within 24 hours. Uh, I also looked at forums and I was struck by how many members uh, said in an almost astonished way, um, my wife really likes it or my wife asked whether we're going to place an order. And I thought about this and it actually makes perfect sense to me. Because if you think how many women drive these huge SUVs um, and often just with tiny children in the back and driving them to school and to play dates, and you think, why do they drive these huge trucks? And well, the answer is because um, they just want to feel safe. And, um, and then if you look at the Cybertruck, I mean, there's no other car on this planet you can feel, you can be as safe in as in, as in the Cybertruck because no one can get at you, not even with a sledge, sledgehammer, not by shooting at it or throwing heavy items at the windows. And I think for that aspect alone, I think 
a lot of women will absolutely love it. And um, apart from that, I think it looks absolutely cool and badass and I can't wait for mine. It will be three years and I hope they will just fly by. Um, love the show. Best wishes from France. Bye. First of all, as I listen back to your call one more time, I fear that I have may I may have gotten your, your name very, very wrong. And if I did, I apologize. I listened to it a few more times. And uh, uh, so I'm sorry if I did. It is not intentional, I promise you. But nevertheless, I very much appreciate your perspective. You know, you you make an excellent point about moms, in a lot of cases, driving SUVs in part because they feel safer in them. So yes, indeed, Cybertruck is perhaps the most extreme version of feeling safe that is possible in a consumer vehicle. So thank you very much for your call. And uh, I very sincerely hope that you end up not having to wait too long to get a Cybertruck in Europe. Lucas from Utah is next uh, with his reactions to the Cybertruck unveiling. Go ahead, Lucas. Hey, Ryan, this is Lucas from Utah, late Thursday night, and I just can't believe what I watched. My reaction coming on stage was, dang, that thing's ugly. But by the end of the presentation, I wanted one, and I'm not even looking for a truck. So I thought it would take a few years for it to grow on me, or maybe seeing it in person for it to grow on me. Nope, I'm sold on it already. It looks incredibly cool. Though at first, it looked very ugly. I don't know how that could change so fast. Too bad on the window glass uh, breaking. That's just really funny and unfortunate, but mostly funny. A uh, few questions. Battery sizes. We didn't get that. Uh, did we ever find out what they were for the, each size? Also, the UI changes. Uh, some things could definitely bleed through the Model 3 and Model Y with that same screen orientation, even though it's a 17-inch screen instead of the 15. Uh, I think I'm mostly worried about, though, uh, what the range will be like with a loadout. I just went to Denver this last weekend and we had an awful experience where we left a charger and Tesla told us to skip the next charger and we did and we almost didn't make it to the following charger. We had to lower our speeds from one, uh, no, 185, what am I saying, from 85 miles an hour down to 80, 75, 70, 65, 60, 55, 50. I had semis passing me. It was quite embarrassing. We got to the charging station with two miles left from Rock Springs, Wyoming down to Laramie. Uh, Wyoming. This is the kind of thing I'm worried about for the truck, especially with the loadout. Just that uh, that huge volatility on range. Anyway, thanks a ton for the podcast. Can't wait to hear what you have to say. Thank you, Lucas. This seems to be the case for a lot of people, myself included. And, and to your question about the battery sizes, it's a good one. You may have noticed that Tesla seems to be moving away from that lately. The Roadster was the last car that they gave a kilowatt-hour number for. And I think they did that more for the shock value of 200 kilowatt-hours than, than for any other reason. Because notice, they didn't say in the same event two years ago what the pack size for the semi-truck has, quite possibly because they're still kind of finalizing it for the mileage, for the range estimates that they wanted to hit. But uh, anyway... Tesla seems to be moving away from it for genuinely good reason. And it's that people get hung up on it. And these days, more than ever, it's only part of the range equation. Now, it's a significant part, don't get me wrong, but look at the Raven Model S and Raven Model X as proof. 
Those cars use the same 100 kilowatt hour battery packs, but due to the suspension and the new motors, they've got a lot of extra, a significant amount of extra range out of the same size battery pack compared to, you know, S and X 100 kilowatt hour models from a year ago. If I had to guess, and why not? I've got a Tesla podcast. <laughs> I would say that the truck, my thinking is it will top out for the tri-motor at 150 kilowatt hours or so. But again, I'm really just guessing based on its uh, the truck's size relative to other Tesla vehicles. And yeah, your range concern, by the way, with a payload, it's a fair one. It is a key question for a lot of buyers. And unfortunately, it's one that I, I really can't answer. I couldn't even begin to answer. We're just going to need to wait for some real-world tests and or more information from Tesla on that, whichever comes first. TJ from Mesa, Arizona, with his reaction to Cybertruck. Go ahead, TJ. Hey, Ryan. This is TJ from Mesa. I just wanted to call in with my reactions to the Tesla Cybertruck unveiling. I've been super excited for the Cybertruck, especially all this last week. I've been following tweets and Reddit posts just with a fervor that is unseen. Um, but the, the, my reactions, the beginning of that live stream just looked like an absolute cutscene from, from any video game, which I'm sure if you look back at it, you'll agree with me. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed. The, the Tesla Cybertruck was even more shocking than any of the, the mock-ups that we've seen have been, but I'm still real excited. The fact that it's got the capabilities that it does and the pricing that they, they laid out is just absolutely amazing. Um, I can definitely see how that truck could turn into a Mars rover, even with uh, some slight imperfections to the glass that, that may have been the cause of the design team. Um, I think the Cybertruck has the potential to be really useful, maybe overly so, considering it has twice the towing capacity of any truck on the market, but uh, I think that built-in ramp in the back on the tailgate was absolutely so useful, but I'm curious. I didn't really see a hitch. Maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. I'll have to go back and look again. Uh, that stainless steel body, I'm sure sure you're super excited about it. I think it's an awesome upgrade. Once again, I think that, that makes it a great candidate for being a Mars rover, but the fact that it's a, a unibody, or as Elon called it, an exoskeleton, I wonder how useful it can actually be. Um, I, I would want to get it personally just to accelerate that advent of sustainable transport, but I think I'm going to have a hard time convincing others. I hope that that uh, seeing more of them on the road and seeing what they're capable of is, are, is going to make it uh, more possible and more comfortable for people to buy the trucks like that and to really bring forward that, that sustainable transport that is, is part of the master plan. Uh, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. I, I specifically would like to know how the test ride went. I think that's really going to be the, the game changer. Um, all in all, I think it's a great truck, and I really look forward to what you think about it. Bye. Thanks for calling in, TJ. Uh, you had sent this in right after the event, so you heard my test ride reactions on last week's show, but I wanted to get to your point about the fan renders. You made me think about this. You are so right. Even the craziest of the fan ren uh, renders was just nowhere near as insane as the actual truck. And I have to wonder how often that's ever happened in automotive history, where the fans were more conservative with their estimates on the design than the creators of the truck themselves. But that's Tesla for you. That is Tesla. To my point at the top of the show about pushing their designs further and further with each new success. Thanks for your call. 
Andrew from Ottawa is up next and uh, gives his reason for putting down a pre-order, and it's a good one. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, Ryan, it's Andrew from Ottawa calling about the Cybertruck reveal. Wow, that was unique and amazing and interesting. Uh, honestly thought it was a joke at first, but definitely warmed up to it uh, over the next few days. Uh, just sleeping on it, seeing the different reasons for it. Very, very interesting. Uh, and like you said, the price to performance ratio is just amazing. Um, so one of the things that I thought was a bit lacking in the videos, they always stress about safety. Tesla vehicles are incredibly safe. And with the exoskeleton and stainless steel cold pressed, it's it has no crumple zone. So I'm really curious what kind of safety mechanisms they have in play to make it uh, safe for both passengers of the vehicle and whatever the uh, truck may hit. So I'm very curious on that regard. Uh, next thing is the... Um, so if you order now, which is you know only a hundred bucks refundable um it protects you from full self-driving increases if you order that package so that could be an interesting thing because people who may want to take a bit of a gamble uh can put in an order if they want a giant cybertruck robo taxi and see where the technology is in two to four years depending on the configuration that you get anyway last thing i mentioned mention is as you mentioned the uh model three prices might go down in price um but until then, this is actually the cheapest Tesla vehicle that you could get in Canada, which is just really interesting. Anyway, uh, thanks for a great podcast. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Andrew. I want to zero in on one thing that you said about the Cybertruck presentation. Now, I was talking to Michael from Milbray about this over the weekend, and we were agreeing that Tesla's last couple of presentations, the Cybertruck and the Y, Quite frankly, and I, you know, I don't mean this in any sort of mean way, but they weren't really very clean. With the Cybertruck, you had the glass-breaking incident, and as you mentioned, no talk of safety, which is, which is always such a Tesla hallmark. Or, you know, as I noted last week, no, no explanation of how the unique engineering guided the design and how those two things so beautifully work together and, and complement each other. And the Model Y presentation was very subdued, too, because, as Elon said later, they didn't want to lose any Model 3 orders in the meantime. I think you have to go back to the semi-truck and roadster unveiling from two years ago, which coincidentally was the last product unveil before Y and, and roadster, so before this year. And, uh, you know, there was nothing in 2018. The semi, I mean, I've gone back and watched that unveiling a few times, the whole thing. The semi-truck was explained so well. The technology, the advantages, the reasons for why Tesla did what they did. I thought they did a tremendous job of selling the benefits of that truck. And then when the Roadster came off the back of the trailer of one of the trucks at the quote-unquote end of the event, it surprised everyone. It was amazing. And then you had Franz zooming around in it. Then you had Elon doing a tight seven-minute presentation on what it can do and why they're doing it. That was a, meaning that whole thing, semi and roadster, that was a great night. That was a great presentation. Hopefully, Elon and Tesla can get back to that whenever the next unveiling happens, which, as you heard earlier in the podcast, now confirmed, likely won't be for a while. Let's talk to Nick in Castlemaine, Australia, uh, who's up next and is, is a little torn now on which Tesla to buy. 
Nick, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, Nick here in Castlemaine, Australia. Um, love the podcast. Keep it going. Thank you very much. The Our family, we've been hanging out for the Model 3, and then we're about to put an order in for that, and then the Model Y was moved forward, so that was the ideal one, a family of five, three girls, and my wife and myself. Then the, <clears throat> the Cybertruck came along and just totally blew my mind. I thought it was a joke at first, and then I fell in love with it somehow shortly after. My wife straight away was there said, that car's amazing, let's get that instead of the Y. My girls, who are the twins are seven and the oldest one's nine, they just couldn't wait to get into the Cybertruck. They told me to cancel the Y and get the uh, Cybertruck. And then with that range in Australia of 800 plus kilometres, um, that 500 miles will let me drive back to my hometown in Alice Springs, which is awesome. It's 2,400k to get home. So obviously use autopilot for all the boring sections and get halfway and can charge halfway through the desert section that is and charge up at Cooper Pedy then get to Alice race in my bucket list item there's a Fink desert race it's a desert race you drive 240 k's camp the night then drive back to Alice Springs it'll let me do all that and I won't be able to dent the car or uh, scratch the car even if I rolled it I'm not sure how that would hold up but you get to glamp it overnight at the halfway point of that race with all your cool camping gear and then back to Alice Springs and then autopilot home so it's it's the ultimate tesla for our family heaps of storage unbreakable unscratchable and just performance to boot so love it can't wait to get it i wish it was here tomorrow thanks for your time have a great day nick thank you so much for your enthusiastic call for what it's worth my parents who are in their 60s and who of course i love dearly but they they are very very slow to accept change, and by that I specifically mean technological change. For reference, they didn't get a smartphone until we had our daughter eight years ago, and they only did so then because of FaceTime. They, they knew they wanted to FaceTime us and, and see our daughter. Uh, they're also terrible with computers. They ask me stuff about them all the time. Again, I love them to death, but my parents said exactly what I thought they would say about the Cybertruck after I told them, you know, they knew that I was going to be going down to LA for the event. And then when we talked after, so they hate it. (laughs) My parents hate it. My dad said it's the ugliest thing he's ever seen. But I wonder, you know, if even they might warm to it over time. I don't know. You know, I'm not at all surprised, by the way, that your kids love it, Nick. Kids, in my experience seem to almost instinctively get what Tesla is doing because they, I don't know if it's just because they haven't had, you know, a couple decades of, of just, of having internal combustion engine norms just beaten into them. You know, like it's, that's electric car is just, you present them, oh, well, here's, here's our car. It's electric because it doesn't put any, you know, there's no, emissions to put into the air and it's safer and it's, you know, and kids just accept that because it makes sense. Like they don't have any preconceived notions about it. But uh, I will say, Nick, I give you kudos for having the willpower to wait an extra year or maybe more for your Tesla since you're, you've pushed back from the three to the Y and now the Cybertruck. All, all I'll say to you is 
I hope your wait is going to be a short one because I, I want to see you get in your in your Tesla now that you have zeroed in on Cybertruck. Thanks for your call. I'm going to go down to Washington, D.C. and talk to Ross, uh, who wants to talk about crash worthiness. Ross, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. Ross from Washington, D.C. Just wanted to call in with a few thoughts on the Cybertruck. I stayed up late to watch the reveal on the East Coast and was not a huge fan when I first saw it. But the design really grew on me overnight, particularly once I got the chance to see photos from different angles. It reminds me a bit of an F-117 stealth fighter, which is a pretty cool design. I agree with you, this is not something that's going to appeal to the traditional truck market of contractors and those who are using the vehicle as a work truck. But there is a pretty big market of people who have a truck just to have a truck who are in the suburbs or in a city. Um, And I think that is a market that this could potentially tap into as well as outdoor enthusiasts. One thought I did have, though, was about the vehicle's crashworthiness. Obviously, it's built with an incredibly strong design, but most vehicles today have crumple zones and other features that sacrifice themselves to absorb energy in the event of a crash, so it's not transferred to the people inside the car. And I'm wondering how that would work with this truck. It seems like it was specifically designed not to bend or do those type of things. That being said, it sounds like it will still have a front, and as we know, that is one of the reasons that Tesla cars today have such a phenomenal safety record, because you don't have a big engine block uh, and can use all of that uh, front space as a crumple zone. So it may be that you still don't want to hit the front of your truck with a sledgehammer, or maybe Tesla's making other plans in terms of mitigating the energy in a crash scenario. Anyway, those are my quick thoughts. Uh, keep up the good work. I love the podcast. Thank you, Ross. If I didn't mention it last week, yes, Cybertruck does have a frunk. It's also got a separate storage compartment underneath the rear of the bed in the very back of the truck, similar to the trunk well uh, in the SX and 3 as well. I didn't get to see either of them at the event, but Motor Trend did, and you can also see them in photos on Tesla's website on tesla.com slash Cybertruck. As to crash worthiness, uh, you're right that the truck's strength seems to run counter to crumple zones. And I confess, I don't entirely understand how the exoskeleton is, is engineered to work in the event of a crash. But what I would say, and I admit that this might sound fanboyish, but I think it's actually not because Tesla has earned it, is that Tesla has earned the benefit of the doubt here as a result of making the safest car, uh, cars, plural, in the world. So it'll be interesting to learn more about the crash capabilities uh, as, as time goes on. So thank you, Ross. How many more calls? We got a few more here, three more. Derek from West Virginia. Derek's a truck guy, 17-year truck owner, so I'm eager to hear what he thinks of Cybertruck. Derek, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Derek from West Virginia here. I'd like to discuss the Cybertruck from the perspective of a truck owner of 17 years. I have a 2002 Chevy that I got new, and I've been waiting to replace it with a Tesla truck. I was so excited for the reveal, and I was 100% ready to pre-order prior to the reveal. Then I saw it, and I was just so disappointed after seeing it that I turned the stream off and completely missed the whole windshield demo live. Um, As someone that owns a truck and uses it for work, I can really get behind the spec sheet and the price of the machine, but the looks... It's just not what I wanted in a truck. I've, I've been depressed over it, actually, the last few days. I keep looking at it thinking, it'll grow on me, but it just doesn't, sadly. 
I feel like the design choice goes completely against what Tesla stands for and their goals. Um, they wanted to move people to EVs and they want to break into the truck market. But I can say that they won't do that here with the current offering. West Virginia is largely a truck state and I haven't spoken to one person yet that has looked at the truck, stats included, and said, yeah, I'll give that a try. I feel like the Tesla missed a huge opportunity here by going so extreme with the looks. I wish they, I wish I liked it and I wish it was a more contemporary looking vehicle. Anyway, thanks for your, the podcast. Keep up the good work. Derek, I appreciate your perspective here from both your position as a longtime truck owner and your geographic position there in West Virginia. You know, even though you've been hearing a lot of callers who went through what I did in going from hating it to being totally into it, that's certainly not the case for everybody, you know, and, and Franz and Elon know that too. But I suppose if you get enough people that love it enough that they're definitely committing to buying it, and then some that are definitely not, maybe, and you know, they figure that's better than a more conventional looking truck that some people might consider versus another conventional looking truck from a brand that they may already be loyal to. I mean, in other words, I think Tesla is okay with the polarized reactions here. I mean, they had to be in order to commit to the path that they're taking. Thanks, Derek. Uh, Jason from Virginia. We'll just move one state over and <laughs> go to Virginia, Virginia and talk to Jason about his thoughts on Cybertruck. Jason, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. I uh, just wanted to give you some thoughts about the Tesla truck. This is Jason Glisson calling from Northern Virginia. Uh, first off, I'll be honest, I didn't like it. And I want to hold 90 seconds worth of silence there to really drive the point home, but I've got other stuff to say. Uh, having said I don't like it, I've thought about this over the weekend, uh, and there's uh, a couple of things that I wanted to mention. Uh, first, if if Tesla had done a regular, uh, normal-looking truck, it would have definitely have been lost in the crowd of trucks that are on the market right now. So uh, I think it was meant to look different, um, to really stand out, and it's obviously a very big attention-getter, both bad attention and good attention. Um, but uh, the, the current top three trucks have sold over a million units uh, this year, and Tesla can't support that high of a volume of production. So if they had had a regular body style truck that was much more difficult to produce, they, they simply couldn't fill all those orders in a reasonable amount of time. So it makes sense that they were doing kind of a niche type truck. Uh, you yourself said that the body panels were are kind of like stainless steel origami. That makes them really easy to produce. But also, uh, Tesla just filed a patent for a die-cast body manufacturing machine. And I have to think that they're going to be using this for the um, the Cybertruck's body, uh, which makes them uh, faster to produce. Um, but someone also pointed uh, on Twitter, pointed me to an article where uh, – Elon Musk actually said they're going to be producing an alternate body style. Um, so hopefully we'll see something like that uh, in the future. Um, but anyway, I, I think it'll end up selling quite a bit. There's obviously a lot of um, orders already. Uh, I am not one of them. 
but I really do hope that it sells and people enjoy it. Thanks for the podcast. I appreciate your call, Jason, and I totally agree with you that a normal truck in hindsight would have just been lost in the crowd. I, I do I respectfully disagree that the reason it's got an extreme design is because Tesla wouldn't have been able to keep up with an F-150 level of production had it been more traditional looking. I, to me, that runs a bit counter to Tesla's mission statement of just you know getting as many EVs out there as possible, accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy. And after all, too, Tesla is getting better at manufacturing all the time, and Gigafactory continues to scale up. I think they did this design for engineering and design reasons, not battery production limitations. That's my opinion. You know, you're you're certainly entitled to yours, and you never know. You you might be right. There is there is certainly I'm not dis- dismissing you entirely at all. I think it'll be very interesting to see what demand for Cybertruck is once it's actually out and available, i.e. how many of them that Tesla will make each year once once the production system is totally ramped up. Let's close it out with Joe from Irvine, who uh, wants to comment on Cybertruck. Joe, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Joe from Irvine, California. I started listening with episode 200, and I'm very glad I did. I love the show. Uh, Since we now know what the Cybertruck looks like, I have a couple of comments and a question. First off, I love the look of the Cybertruck. Exterior is great. Interior is great. The back is a little funky, but I see the advantages of having it like that, so I can get over it. I do have a couple of comments on the interior. Really, the only thing that seemed off to me about the inside of the truck was the yoke and not having a stock. I think in the production model, I think both those things to come back. Not having them is just not practical. And I think if Tesla wants to take it mainstream, it'd be in their own best interest to bring both of those things back. So my question is this. We've now seen the interior of the Cybertruck has a very Spartan look, just like the Model 3. The air vents seem to be the same. The screen's the same, albeit two inches bigger, but relatively the same. Do you think the SNX will adopt a similar look? Also, the Cybertruck has a different UI than the Model 3. Do you think the Cybertruck will just have its own UI different than the Model 3? Or do you think the rest of the fleet will have will adopt the same UI as the Cybertruck? Love the podcast. Take care. Hi, Joe, and welcome to the podcast. The subject of the SNX getting redesigns with a horizontal or landscape orientation screen has been a much discussed one for a while. In time, yes, I do think the Cybertruck's interior is definitely a look at where the S and the X are going, including that cool marble looking, even though it turns out it's actually a sustainable, sustainably made paper-based compound, uh, that dashboard. But remember, though, that the Cybertruck is Spartan by design, like the 3 and the Y. It's a low-cost vehicle for what it is. The S and the X are going to need to plus it up just by virtue of the fact that they are in the premium luxury class. But I do think that we may see that exact 17-inch landscape screen go into the S and the X eventually. I will add also uh, to to another point of yours, I don't think the Cybertruck is going to get its own UI. As I mentioned last week, I think that the UI that we saw in the Cybertruck is either just a concept that the design team is playing with, or 
a hint at what's to come in version 11 or beyond that. But all the cars are probably going to continue to be on a pretty uniform UI design because that just simplifies things for the software team aside from screen orientations. Because right now you've got S, X, and Roadster on the portrait side, and you've got 3, Y, and Cybertruck, oh, and Semi as well on the landscape side. Joe, thank you very much for your call. Thanks to all of you who called in. By the way, I got so many more phone calls that uh, the the Patreon-exclusive bonus episode this month is also going to be all Cybertruck calls. It's going to be the Cybertruck edition of the Patreon monthly bonus episode. So what I want to do is, of course, as usual, when I put that up, which is going to be er, uh, yeah, early next week, the beginning of the month, I am going to... Uh, I will offer a link to anybody that's on it so that even if they're not supporting me on Patreon, I want you to be able to hear your call. So I'll announce all those names on next week's show. Uh, But I'll also make this one uh, a timed exclusive, as it were, for, uh, for Patreon. And I'll make it available to everybody on January 1st because I do, you know, Cybertruck's a big hot topic. And I've gotten so many calls, which all of you are so nice to take the time to call in that uh, I'll, uh, I'll put that one out there uh, after, after a month of Patreon exclusivity so that everybody can hear it. So stay tuned for more details on that next week. But then, as I said, in the meantime, feel free to keep calling in, whether it's you want to talk Cybertruck or something else. I gave you the call-in information for that at the top of this segment. So with this, I'll take a quick little break, come right back, with your pro tip of the week and some parting thoughts for you right after this. Well, I finally washed my car last weekend after a few weeks and it was getting a nice thick layer of dust on it. And then of course it promptly rained a couple days later. And now We've got like a two-day respite, Thanksgiving Day, and then here Black Friday. And I think starting tomorrow, it's supposed to rain for like seven days straight here in the Bay Area. So uh, I guess you're welcome, Bay Area, for, you know, it was, it's you wash your car, you bring the rain. So I guess we needed it, though. Um, so that's, uh, I haven't been doing much, much extra with my car. I did, I totally cleaned out the interior, though, wiped down the, the white seats, and uh, cleaned off the all-weather floor mats, so it, it's 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 just I don't know. It's cathartic to me. It feels good to me to have a clean car. So anyway, uh, what else? Ah, pro tip of the week. Let's do that. And yes, it is a little bit Cybertruck related, but let's hear from Mark in New York. I mean, why not? It's all Cybertruck this week. Go ahead, Mark. Hi, Ryan. Mark from New York again. Uh, great job at the Cybertruck event. Uh, it was uh, definitely interesting. I know I was uh, pretty uh, uh, upset when I saw the glass break like everybody else. It definitely uh, uh, put me in a little weird mood. And uh, the shape of the truck itself was a little weird. But uh, I got to admit, the day after, I ordered it. I think it's just like 10 years ahead of its time. Which some of us will love that. I think it's so cool. I'm going to have a futuristic truck. 
and uh, that'll be awesome. Okay, so for a pro tip, I don't know if everybody realizes this, but when on your left scroll wheel, normally adjust the volume of your radio or whatever you have playing. But when you're navigating, when the voice comes on to tell you to turn, you can adjust the volume of the voice with that same scroll wheel. So it works with the radio or the navigation, depending on what's talking at that time. So I find that to be very handy and useful. Okay. Thanks for, uh, thanks for all you do with the podcast. Love it. And uh, I'm going to keep walking my uh, King Charles puppies uh, while I listen to the rest of your podcast. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Bye. Thank you so much for that, Mark. I will confess that I muted my nav voice the day I took delivery of my car. It, that, that voice did not last long, but uh, for the plenty of people that do keep that voice activated, uh, this is actually a really good tip. So thank you very much, Mark. And with that, I will hit the road. I have to say, I, it's, uh, I feel like by virtue of doing this every single week, there's some weeks where I'm like, eh, that wasn't the greatest show, you know, my whether I thought my delivery was bad or I talked in circles a little too much or too many ums and ahs and but you know, this week I feel really good about this episode and I think I know why and it's because it's because I'm recording in the morning. It's I'm recording during normal daylight hours. Normally I do this show very 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 late on Friday nights. And it's, you know, just naturally, <laughs> you're at the end of the day, you're a little tired. So I feel like I've got a little extra, extra pep in my step this week. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed this week's show as much as I did. I had a really good time doing this week's episode. I loved all the phone calls this week. Of course, had a lot of great topics to cover, Cybertruck related and otherwise. But uh, let me part ways with you here for this week with a few plugs, if you would, if you would humor me for a couple minutes. First, I want to mention abstractocean.com. They've got Black Friday deals going right now, so I would encourage you to look online for those. Uh, You can probably combine those with the perennial, at least so far, the long-term discount that's just, you know, just a little secret. It's just for, if you listen this far every week, you've got this discount code here waiting for you. Uh, if, the, if you've never visited abstractocean.com, I encourage you to take a look sometime. They've got all kinds of stuff. Uh, their most popular stuff are the Model 3 glass screen protectors and then the center console wrap kits. So if you want to do, you know, you want to do like a carbon fiber look, you want to do white if you've got a white interior. They've got a bunch of different patterns and designs, plus a lot of lighting kits. That's that's uh, probably what Abstract Ocean made their name on, was upgraded, nice, easy-to-install LED upgrade lighting kits for Teslas. So just you know, shop around, see what they've got, abstractocean.com, coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST. Enter that at checkout for 15% off of your very first order. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, my friend Jeff there, uh, he's still got a couple of those insane Black Friday deals going on full-body paint protection films. So if you want to go all out, he's offering a pretty uh, pretty unbelievable deal on that. 
Uh, and if that's not of interest to you, but you might still want ceramic coating or partial paint protection film, in other words, the, just the front of the car, he's got a hundred dollar offer going a hundred dollars off offer going on those services as well. Uh, and then additional discounts if you're an active or retired military member, just present your military ID. So to learn more to or to book with him, visit his website at irdetailing.com. You can also see examples of his work there or on his Yelp or Instagram. On Yelp, he's yelp.com slash immaculate reflections, all one word. And on Instagram, his handle is immaculate underscore reflections. Uh, I mentioned this last week, and it looks like a lot of people have been uh, jumping on this, which is great to see because it's just a nice uh, turnkey solution here. You know, again, the the dash cam sentry mode situation that a lot of us are running into now. We've got the additional camera feed with the backup camera, more and more writing and writing and writing to those USB drives that aren't designed for it. So Pure Tesla has a turnkey kit that you can buy $49 for the 128 gig and it's the you know USB adapter basically plugs into your car with the micro SD memory card, which is designed for much, it is designed for frequent writing and writing and writing. So uh, that's what I've got in my car and it's working great. So if that is of interest to you, please go to puretesla.com slash RTL. And there's the $49 kit, which is uh, 128 gig, or if you want to step up to 256 gigs, that's a $69 kit. And again, these come fully formatted and ready to go. They're total plug and play. You take it out of the package, you plug it into your car, and you're done. Works with Mac or PC when you take it out to look at the footage. And they will ship anywhere worldwide and in the U.S., free shipping. So one more time, that's puretesla.com, P-U-R-E puretesla.com slash RTL. Uh, finally this week, uh, oh, actually there's Jada as well. You know, it's holiday time. This, I will say, I think if you've got a, if you are not a model three owner yourself, maybe your spouse is or significant other, somebody in your, or uh, you know, family member, the Jada wireless charging pad for model three I, you know, again, I love this thing and I'm, I'm being totally sincere. Cause again, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't put things in here that are, that are just like money grabs. Like I, <laughs> I actually, I am a Jada customer myself and I love that charging pad cause it looks like it's a factory original piece. Like it is, it just goes in no tools, goes into your center console and it wirelessly charges your smartphone, if your smartphone has that capability, which basically all the new ones, most of the new ones do now. So uh, I don't have a discount for that, but uh, I would appreciate that if you do decide to buy one, please use my referral link because again, total transparency, they'll throw me a couple bucks off of the sale. Uh, It also applies to the Jada USB hub, which adds some more USB ports as, as well as that secret that like dummy door the mag dummy magnetic door uh, on it that uh opens up and that's where you hide if you plug in your your usb dash cam uh kit there from whether it's from pure tesla or somewhere else so anyway the link for that if you're interested in either or both of those products is getjada.com that's g-e-t 
J-E-D-A. Getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. The slash R-E-F slash eight is very important uh, for that. Okay, now I think I'm really done. You can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Tweet me anytime, DMC underscore Ryan. It's also DMC underscore Ryan on Instagram. And I believe that will do it. Oh, I guess there's Patreon. Let me just sneak in one more plug. It's, it is the holidays after all. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I'll keep it short. If you, if you feel that I have earned your support on top of merely listening to the podcast, which is, of course, something I sincerely appreciate. But if you do want to support me on Patreon, it's a totally optional thing, but I would sure welcome it, and I'd sure be grateful. You can find out more about what you get for supporting me and uh, the different tiers of support that are available. You can find that on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I will conclude, as always, by saying uh, a big thanks to the Patreon producers. These are the wonderful folks that support me at the producer tier, which means in addition to the monthly bonus episode, the early access to each week's episode, they also get their name shouted out each and every week. So thank you to my newest Patreon producer, Matt Kalen. Matt, I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Matt Kalen, I sincerely appreciate your pledge. In addition to the rest of the gang, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Larry Lynch, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, and Richard Folkers. Thank you all very much. A quick parting note, two things, actually three things. One, uh, Elon Musk cameoed on season four, episode three, which is the current episode as of me recording this, of Rick and Morty. If you are not watching Rick and Morty, I, I find Rick and Morty completely hilarious. I love that show. So uh, look for Elon's cameo on that. It's on Adult Swim. If on your if you're a if you're like, well, where do I find Rick and Morty? It's on Adult Swim, which is the of course the nighttime version of Cartoon Network. And uh, point number two about something I meant to say at the end of the the Ride the Lightning Hotline segment, which is you might think, well, Ryan, did you did you cherry pick the phone calls? so that it was almost entirely people that, that either love the Cybertruck or uh, came around on it. And I will be honest with you, no, I did not cherry pick them. I got a lot more calls, as I said, and I'm, I'm going to play those. Those are going to be the, the Patreon bonus episode this month. But I'm telling you, that was the overwhelming sentiment. I would say I would say 8 out of 10, maybe, maybe even 9 out of 10. Let's, let's call it 8 out of 10 callers or people that emailed me were people that 
either loved it right away or came around on it, went through the Cybertruck cycle. So again, you, you have to look at, that's a sample size of Tesla enthusiasts, because if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably a Tesla enthusiast and just, uh, you know, Tesla fans in general. So it's, you know, it doesn't, it's not a, a grand overarching meaningful, like systemic point of data for the entire country. But I just, I, I, it was just crazy to me as I listened to call after call after call from you guys this week, everybody's saying the same thing, which again is, is exactly what I personally went through, which is just like, you know, that going from hating it to, to being totally on board and, and in a lot of your cases, putting in an order. So it's just been incredible to see that with the Cybertruck as the rest of the world just continues to talk about it. It's unbelievable. All right. Uh, last thing is simply this. If you are a new listener, I would greatly appreciate it if you would, I mean, do yourself a favor, really, subscribe to the podcast. So that's a that's not a money thing at all. It's just if you subscribe on your preferred podcast service, that means every time there's a new episode, which is every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, it will get pushed out to you rather than you having to remember, oh, it's Sunday, I gotta go find Ride the Lightning. So you can subscribe very easily on, again, pretty much all the major podcast services, including iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and again, TuneIn is in your Tesla. Yes, you can get this in your Tesla. Just search for, you know, Tesla, like Ride the Lightning, Tesla. Uh, you will find it. I'm also on Spotify. The, again, audio only is on YouTube. If you prefer to consume it that way, you can just, I would say just go on YouTube and search Ride the Lightning Tesla, and I'll pop right up there. And I think that's it. Yes, that will finally do it. Sorry, that was a lot of plugs, a lot to get to, but there's just, you know, this is all, it's all good. It is, uh, it has been a, what a fun week this was. I had a I had a wonderful Thanksgiving with with uh, my local family. I hope uh, for those of you celebrating that you had a a uh, delicious and safe and fun Thanksgiving as well. And here we go. We're into the holiday season, the home stretch of 2019. As I said earlier in the podcast, 2020 is going to be a real fun year for Tesla. And 2019 was, and so was 2018. I mean, it's every year the momentum for this company just builds and builds. And of course, there are challenges, there are bumps in the road from time to time, but it's just been a fascinating thing to chronicle for me as as a you know weekly podcaster and a, and a Tesla enthusiast and a Tesla owner. It's just it's so much fun. Next year is going to be great. I mean, the 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 future is bright for Tesla. In the meantime, I wish all of you a healthy and happy holiday season, and I will see you back here. Good, at the regular time, every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, next Sunday. Happy electric motoring, everybody. I mean, I think... A Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually 
a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.